0: this is a holy baptist church podcast bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome lives are changing and jesus is king thanks for listening with us today we would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us but for now we pray you enjoy listening for what god has in store for you in this episode and that helps change your life for the better in jesus name enjoy good morning and
1: welcome to holy baptist church my name's phil i'm Stu and uh, you're watching holy baptist on demand which is great isn't it everything's like that nowadays Um, and we're really glad you can join us now we're continuing our series at the moment uh, that's called the gift and we're looking at all the gifts that we've received because of christ's birth because it is coming to us here on earth and we're going to carry that on this morning.
0: jesus christ coming to dwell among us as a gift from god and He was not just a wise man who taught us to be kind and love one another. He was God's son who was instrumental in the greatest part of God's plan to restore our lives. But beyond his physical presence among us were so many other invaluable gifts. This month, as we lead up to the celebration of Jesus arriving in our world, we want to unwrap these gifts together. The gifts of Jesus being peace on earth. Our new and restored identity. Himself, Jesus, as a gift the gift of joy, and also the gift of renewed hope. Join us as we explore Jesus Christ, the gift. Merry Christmas, everyone.
2: Um, We are continuing, as uh, we've been told already, uh, our series over Christmas, The Gift. This is a series that Daz, our children's pastor, has put together. And uh, we have looked at week one. Daz spoke to us about the gift we get of peace and hope uh, through Jesus at Christmas. Uh, I spoke last week about the gift of uh, a new identity as God's children. And this morning I want to look at the idea that we, um, through Jesus, get to know who God really is. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning for the next about 20, 25 minutes, if I can go on uh, that long. Um, But a question, it's not a question, I don't want your answer for this particularly, but I wonder if any of you have ever used a dating service. The Originally, you would have applied probably by letter, by application form or something. Then they moved to websites, and they have dating apps of all sorts of descriptions. When I I was in my 20s, uh, a friend of mine was on a dating service. It was a Christian dating service. I think it was called Fusion 101. I think that's what it was called. And um, he said, oh, you've got to try this thing. You've got to try it. I can do your profile now. So, me and my friend Shane were in his house, and he quickly took a photograph of us and popped a profile. We said a few things about ourselves, and we made the decision we would stay on it until someone took an interest in us. And there was a bit of a competition between me and Shane. We were always competing around women. Um, and uh, I, I very quickly got a bit of interest. On this, uh, on this online dating thing. Well, I must admit, they did, most of them seemed to be wanting the green card so they could move to England. Um, but I started to get a bit of interest. Shane, on the other hand, got no interest whatsoever, and he was getting more and more grumpy about this. And the weeks went on, he got no one. No one was interested in Shane whatsoever until a guy contacted him through the app and saying, did you realise you put yourself down as a woman? So that was why he got no no interest I never actually I never went on a date or anything like that. I didn't particularly enjoy it um but i I just wonder um if you have been on a dating app or a dating service and you've actually got as far as going on a date. I wonder did the person that you met up with match up with the profile they provided on their dating service because often what we like to do is maybe. Highlight the positives and maybe diminish somewhat the negatives. Maybe they turn up and it turned out that their photo on their profile was from 15 years ago, and they've gained about 15 stones since that photo was taken. Maybe they said that they're into the gym and running. It turns out actually that's something they did years and years ago or did once. How do we know what they're going to be like? It's a bit of a risk you take with these sorts of things. Now, relationship with one another is just one relationship that we can have. It's What I love about church and about the faith that we have is that we believe that not only can we have a relationship with one another, which is hugely important, but we can have a relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. But I'm less left with that question, how do I know what God is actually like? How do I know what God is like, who I am following, who maybe I've given my life to? See, Les, it's great that we are here, and I'm guessing that the majority of you who are here probably believe in God's, And maybe some of you, maybe it's the majority, have actually decided to give your life to Jesus and want to follow God in your life. Church attendance only makes up about 6% of the population in the UK. But almost half the people in the UK believe in God. They believe in the existence of God or maybe a higher power. And I'm left with that question, how do they know who it is they're following? You know, Different religions say different things about God and who God is and what God does and what his personality is like. And maybe people who don't maybe assign themselves to a religion... How do they decide what God is like? Do they just pick the bits that they like the most and leave out other bits? Now, we in church would say, well, if you want to find out what God is like, then read the Bible. But is it that easy? See, I don't know if any of you have read the Bible in a year. Put your hand up if you've read the Bible in a year. The first, oh, a few of you, really good thing to do, to just read the Bible and just take it all in, the whole just big story of it. The first time I tried it, I gave up when I got partway through the Old Testament. And I'm going to be honest with you. The main reason was not my inability to set aside time to read the Bible. It's because I started to not like the gods that I read about in the Word. I started to struggle with some of the things that I read that God did. And and I was like, is this really the gods that I worship? How do I know what God is like? Because I'm not sure I like this. And also, can there be a truth? Can there be, okay, this is definitely God and this is definitely not God's. So the question I wanted to answer this morning is, what is God like? What is the God that I want to follow really like? We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 1 to 4. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to it. Hebrews is a book. It's a letter in the New Testament. The New Testament's full of letters. Uh, the way the early church kind of spread the word of Gospels was through people, um, apostles going to churches, going to groups of people, forming churches, telling them about Jesus, and then they couldn't stay there forever because they moved somewhere else, So they would send letters to those churches, and those letters would be shared with that church, and they'd be passed on to another church. and these letters spread throughout the region, telling people about Jesus. And there's one particular letter called Hebrews. Uh, we think it might have been written by Paul, but in reality, we don't really know who it's written by, but it's thought it's written to Jewish Christians. Christians who uh, had followed decided to follow Jesus, but they're from a Jewish. Background. And we're going to read Hebrews chapter one, verses one to four. It's on the screen. I'm going to read through it. And then I'm just going to go back and see what we can tease out from these verses. So here we go. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, So we're going to just quickly just go look through that passage. We're also going to look at some other passages as well, particularly from John's gospel. But let's go back to verse one. It's gone black. (laughs) There we go. Verse one. So, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that if you look at the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures that they had, that would have been their Bible at the time. They didn't have the whole Bible that we have now. That kind of formed itself later, although, like I said, these letters were flying around uh, at the time. But he's saying God spoke to us. You can hear what God said when you look at the Jewish scriptures. And what we see revealed in the Jewish scriptures is God speaking to three people and God guiding his people, which I talked about last week, the Jewish nation, through a journey that had brought them to this point. And He says, if you read that, particularly if you read the prophets, you can pick up something of God. God has spoken, and you can find God's words in the Old Testament. Now, it's really important that we take that because the whole of Hebrews picks up on the Old Testament time and time again. In fact, the few verses that come after the verses we're looking at, the writer of Hebrews quotes the Old Testament. So the Old Testament to the writer is very, very important. It's interesting. Some of those early Christians maybe had those same struggles with the Old Testament than I did because some of them decided to get rid of the Old Testament completely. Let's just focus on the New Testament, the bits about Jesus, and get rid of all the Old Testament. But the writer of Hebrews is saying no. The Old Testament is important because God did speak to us through that. But this is verse two. In these last days, He appointed, He has spoken to us by His Son. Who's His Son? Jesus. Okay, so. God has chosen to speak through this guy called Jesus that the writer of Hebrews is saying is the son of God, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Now, what's the writer saying here? He's saying that Jesus didn't just come onto the scene at Christmas as a baby. Actually, Jesus has been there from the very beginning. That's fact. Through Jesus, he made the universe. So it's saying Jesus wasn't just some little baby. Jesus was there right from the beginning. That's something that's really, really important. Jesus isn't just a, just a man, actually. He is far bigger than that. Verse 3. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's Glory, what's it saying there? Well, radiance, brilliant light, the sort of the dawn as the sun rises and breaks into the darkness. That's what Jesus is of what God's glory. Now, between the writing of the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Jewish people came up with something they called the Shekinah glory of God. Now, you might not have heard of that, and you don't really need to remember it. But what it was referring to was those visible manifestations of God. That when you read the Old Testament and you discover and you see God manifest in certain ways, and usually it was through some natural phenomena. So often we read in Exodus when we read the story of Moses. Moses seemed to meet God, and the nation of Israel met God quite a few times, and God manifested Himself self in physical ways. Anyone can think of the first time that God manifested himself in a physical way to Moses. Burning bush. Yeah, a bush on fire. Moses was very curious because his bush was on fire and it didn't seem to burn up. But there's other times. There's when Moses met with God on the mountain and what looked like a cloud came down. That was a manifestation of God's glory. There's also um, the the nation of Israel was guided through the wilderness by a pillar of smoke and fire. Another physical manifestation of God's glory. Also, in our Christmas story, we read of the angels singing to the shepherds and announcing the arrival of Jesus. And it says, the glory of God shone around. The night sky was filled with this brilliance of light. And this glory, this Shekinah glory. What Shekinah actually means is the dwelling, the one who dwells. That through these manifestations, God is dwelling with His people. We're going to look at two particular, one particular verse in John, John's Gospel, John's story of Jesus. When John starts his Gospel with this, these verse in chapter one, verse fourteen. He says, "The Word, that's Jesus, became flesh." We call that incarnation. Carnivore, flesh eater. Okay, You know that, animals. Jesus became incarnate. He became flesh. God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. God moved into the neighbourhoods. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in verse 3, the sun is a radiance of God's glory. God manifesting in this world. But the writer of Hebrew goes on. Uh, Verse 3. So the sun is a radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Exact representation. The Greek word here is character from which we get our English word, character. You can remember that one. And really what it kind of refers to is the idea, when you, they made coins, like I don't know how they make ca- coins now, but I guess they make it in a similar sort of way. They have a stamp where someone engraves uh, the image of the coin. It might be the head of the emperor or the king or the queen or whatever. And the metal is heated or it's soft metal and it's stamped into the metal. And whatever's on the stamp is left On the metal, an exact representation. That's what it's referring to. So it's saying that Jesus is the exact representation, the character of God. So does that mean that God is a first-century Jewish carpenter? No, that's not what it's it's saying. It's saying it's an exact representation of his being. His substance, his nature, his quality, his existence—Jesus is God. And if you want to know what God looks like, then you look at Jesus. In fact, in John chapter fourteen and uh, verses um, verse nine, so you got just before Jesus is. Uh, betrayed and arrested and crucified, which we'll be doing at Easter. with spoiling the story here. But um, he has—he just wants to try to get some really information, important information to his disciples who, for them, their world is falling apart. They have followed, this, followed Jesus, have given their life to him, and everything is going wrong. They're on a pre- precipice of disaster. They know what's about to happen. They know the threats that have been made to Jesus. And Philip says, Lord, look, we don't know what's going on, but, but if you can just show us the Father, well, that will be enough for us. If before everything just goes wrong, if you can just show us what God is like, then that would be enough for us. They use the word Father because that's how they refer to God. Last week I talked about the nation of Israel being the children of God, so naturally they refer to God as their Father, and this is what Jesus says in John 14, verse 9. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? And he says these words, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me, anyone who has spent time with me, anyone who has seen the things I do, heard the things I've said, anyone who's seen the the miraculous things that I've done, the way I treat people. If you have seen me, then you have seen God. And if you want to know what God is like, then look at Jesus. See, for the writer of Hebrews, he says, yeah, you can find out a lot about God from reading the Old Testament. But actually, there is something superior. Some Someone has come along that shows us what God is truly like and that's Jesus. And if we when we read the Old Testament cuz we don't want to chuck the Old Testament away the Old Testament is a hugely important part of the story of God's salvation plan. But if but we look at all of those words all that Old Testament through the lens of Jesus. And when we want to understand what God is like when we struggle with those verses that are rather troubling to us in the Old Testament then time and time again, we have to go back to, well, what is Jesus like? Because Jesus tells us what God is truly like. Now, I don't know if you have a particular historical figure that you would like to meet. Or maybe there's a current famous person that you would like to meet. Anyone got anyone they would love to meet, either dead or alive? Yeah, Jessica? No, so the Queen yet, yeah, Helen? Joe, who's Josephine Butler, <laughs> a nineteenth-century feminist. Like okay, that's very Helen. That is, that's good. Yeah. Anyone got anyone a little bit you know easier? Like Paul McCartney. There we go. So, so you might not be able to meet them. It's unlikely that you're going to meet Paul McCartney, and it's very unlikely you two are going to meet um, uh, your two. But we can read about them. I've just finished your autobiography of a guy called Patrick Stewart. Anyone know who Patrick Stewart is? Famous of Captain Picard in the Star Trek. And you read these books and you can find out something about them. You can learn a little bit about their life story, a little bit about who they are and why they're who they are, because we often made up by our the journey that we have been on through life. And particularly with more famous people where, you know, you've got loads of, different historians writing different accounts of them. You can find out all sorts of information about people, be it Winston Churchill or Julius Caesar or the Queen or Paul McCartney. We can find out a lot about them. We can know a lot about them. And I want you to know who the God is that we worship. In fact, from January, um, for three months, we are going to be looking at Jesus Normally, our sermon series only lasts a month. We're going to do three months all the way up to Easter. Every single Sunday, we are going to be preaching about Jesus. We're going to look at the story of Jesus. And we're going to encourage you to read daily about Jesus. Because I want you to know who Jesus is, because I want you to know who your heavenly father is. I want you to know who it is that you are following. Then hopefully, you're more able to share with others who it is that you are following. But you can read all about Jesus. You can read all the Gospels. You can read every single book. You can know absolutely everything about Jesus. But you don't actually know Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. So if we go back to that dating app, I could read the profile, I could think I could know a person, but it's not until I actually go out on a date with them that I start to understand who they are. And even that is a long process of getting to know someone. And you never really truly know someone completely. See, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. When we read the Gospels, we can know about Jesus. But there's something really important. This is something I want you to kind of, if you can take away anything from this morning, I want you to to know and remember this. Is that when Jesus knew that he was going to leave his disciples, he'd, he'd been executed, he'd died, he'd been resurrected, and he spent some time with his followers, teaching them, appearing to them. And he says to them, look, I'm going to have to go away, but don't rush away because I'm going to leave you a gift. That gift was Jesus' Spirit, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is given to everyone who gives their life to Jesus. And that Holy Spirit does numerous things. In the Bible, it talks about the fact that it, we have fruits of the Spirit, where that Holy Spirit living in our hearts will start to change who we are. The, what's, what's on the inside starts to show on the outside. We our character and our actions start to change. It talks about the gift of the spirits, where we're able, we suddenly are able to do things that maybe you weren't able to do or before that helps the church to tell people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit also guides us and helps us to make decisions in life so we don't end up making stupid decisions, although that's probably still likely to happen. But also the Holy Spirit connects us with our Heavenly Father and helps us to not only know about God, but to experience and know God. So I don't know whether or not you know about Jesus or you actually know Jesus. But the biggest gift that we've been given through Jesus, that we can know God. in a moment we're going to share communion and this is a time when we are able to experience Jesus and meet with Jesus this isn't this is a time when we remember the fact that Jesus died on the cross we share the bread which represents his body broken for us we share the wine or in this case fruit juice that represents his blood shed for us it is a time of remembrance but it's also a time when we can meet with Jesus. So my prayer as we come to this, and any of you could partake in this, there's no exclusions here because Jesus wants to meet with you. And my prayer is come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come and meet with us. In fact, Jesus is saying, I stand at the door and knock. And maybe for you, Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and knocking because he wants to be let in. Some questions are going to come up, and then Helen's going to come up and lead us uh, along with the band in a song before communion. Yeah, But let's just take some time out just to listen to these questions. Do you believe in God? How do you know what God is like? What's your main reference point? How much time have you spent learning about Jesus? Have you read the Gospel accounts? Do you want to move from knowing about Jesus to actually knowing him as your friend?
3: Some lot, lots of really thought-provoking questions there. It's, there were, uh, weren't there? Yeah, lots of things to think about. Yeah, it's about. great. It's a great, great sermon there from 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 Martin. Uh, yeah, seriously. Yeah, really good.
1: and he mentioned something about the Old Testament. and Sometimes you can get yeah. a, a strange opinion of God Absolutely. based on some of those stories that we find confusing, don't we? I mean, I yeah. I read some bits of accounts of what God asked people to do with the Old Testament. I think, Ooh, yeah, so what God's like, there's a, a little tip for you if you want to wrestle with some of that, some of those difficult passages in the Old Testament. There's a, a lady called Helen Painter, P A Y N T E R, and she's uh, a lecturer at a Baptist College in Bristol. and She's set up a, an organization called the Center for the Study of Biblical Violence, and particularly those violent passages in the Old Testament and she wrestles with those in a really helpful way uh doesn't gloss over the really you know the difficult bits and and you might find that helpful so helen painter center for the study of the bible and violence and uh it's really helpful
3: yeah i wasn't aware of that so i'm going to go and check that out because yeah, yeah like, like you said there's She's a lot really there's a lot of you know pretty hardcore passages in the in the old testament that kind of you know might need a bit of additional explaining
1: for context. yes just a bit yeah, the bible a bit. is
3: a complicated book it is so it's worth wrestling with it yeah absolutely it takes a bit of time
1: but so, we thought we we've looked on our point of reference for where our view of god and we hmm. where you could get some yeah earlier so we thought we'd tackle uh martin's second question which was about have you read the gospel accounts and i just wondered steve what what bits of the gospel accounts, either a story about Jesus or a story that Jesus told, mm. which ones really give you an insight into who Jesus is and what well, I think
3: I think just, just just so many, I mean, kind of, because yeah, obviously all the parables and things that he told, and, you know, kind of that, that sort of thing, kind of, you know, when, when I was young, obviously, it kind of, it helps you to start to understand, you know, kind of the person of Jesus and kind of, you know, who he was and then kind of, obviously, you, you start to. Um, as you get a bit older you start to sort of understand, like you know, the the resurrection, everything, and all, like you know, it's, you know his 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 journey, you know, kind of, yeah. the, you know, yeah. all the all the steps along the way that are absolutely vital to you know fulfill prophecies and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I don't think there's one sort of you know, one thing, but just it, over time, it all kind of you know falls into place. Really, the more you, yeah. the more you read it, the more you understand, the better you understand. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, and then yeah. kind of you, you just really start to you know get a, a proper picture of. Of, of Jesus and, and and his life and why he, he was absolutely fine yeah,
1: yeah yeah no there are some for me it's <laughs> I think one of the one one of the stories that always and it's certainly been it varies I think year mm. on year, depending on what I've read but but one that's really hit me in the last couple of years is that story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery mm. remember that story mm. and she's dragged in front of Jesus yeah. and all the Pharisees all the religious leaders are yeah. right okay and they're trying to trap Jesus. They don't care about this woman, no. and they don't care if she lives or dies. And they intend that she dies. Um, yeah. And he's so unjudgmental. Yeah. I yeah, think, you're right. I it's, think it, probably less judgmental than we would be in a church context when someone's caught in yeah doing things that we think <sighs> is not yeah. good. And I think he's just this this the grace that pulls out of this guy is amazing. Yeah. And. Uh, Absolutely, that really hits me. Uh, uh, the way he treats her and and loves her, and it's yeah. the end. He says, "Go and sin yeah. no more." Yeah. And I'm convinced that his approach to her would have more impact on her than, than these guys who all judge Because oh, yeah, absolutely. Because his love for her would make her want to go and sin
3: yeah, no more. Yeah, no, I completely I agree. agree. Uh, yeah, that 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 story. Yeah, you're right. That that is incredibly powerful, very affecting, isn't it? Just because yeah, yeah kind of you. Know, you know, he, he says, you know, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Yeah, yeah. and it's just like, you know, that's a bit of a sledgehammer, really, isn't it? I oh, know it puts us all can, in our place. Yeah, can you imagine like the effect that would have had on them? You know, that realization. Yeah, because they sit around all no They sit around all pious and kind of look at me. I'm a Pharisee. I, I, you know, kind of I follow all the rules. And then Jesus is like, boom. <laughs> blows up in their face you know and it's just like that's why we love it he just he just sort of sticks it to authorities of he thing. any we love Jesus, we love someone Absolutely, absolutely yeah. <laughs> is just like yeah whenever there was a rule or yeah. some sort of authority that he was like just shot it down <laughs> it yeah. A, just, yeah that, that puts us all
1: on a level playing field. to you know that's all it beams and that's all are Start there.
3: Start yeah. There. Yeah. No. Nobody's above anybody else. Yeah. We're all on the same on the same level. You know. Yeah. Just yeah. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that they always found difficult to understand was that sin is sin. There's not levels of sin. No. It's just sin. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nobody's
3: better than anybody else. Exactly. And yeah, that that for the Pharisees was just like well, yeah, mind blown. They couldn't accept that, or they wouldn't accept that.
1: Yeah. But a lot of people have this idea that God's quite judgmental and He's always watching you. He's always trying to catch you out, and He's always, "Oh, I've got you." And (laughs) and that's not God is. That's not what He's like. And Jesus says, "This is what He's like. This is what He's like." And He loves us first. That's where He starts from. His love and His value for us as individuals. Absolutely. And He wants the best life for us. So He says,
0: "Don't do that
1: because that's going to hurt you and other people." Yeah. But I love you, and this is where I'm starting from. Yeah. Uh, that's that shows me a bit of a good and i think that's brilliant yeah so now you might have a few questions and some of the stuff raised today will raise questions about your image of god and what you think about him so See. if you've got any questions uh, you can email gotquestions at uk. there you go it's on the screen
0: that was today's episode of the holy baptist church podcast we hope it's prompted you to want to follow jesus hopefully a lot but even just a little bit more closely if you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow jesus you can email us gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk we'd love to hear from you it would really make our day if you want to hear more from us just a reminder you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the holy baptist church app from the apple app store or google play to hear it as well simply search holy baptist church thank you again for listening to holy baptist church podcast we pray god will bless you and we'll see you next time